I was going to wait and see who was here this morning. So I want to see, do we have a volunteer that would be willing to come up this morning and actually read our passage to us? Anybody here that would be willing to do that? If not, I'm going to call on Russ. So, so it's up to you guys. Anybody else? You think Russ? Come on, Lori. Come on, Lori. Lori, do it. Lori and Russ. Okay, Lori and Russ. This is Lori and Russ Meehan. This is great. So as you guys are coming up, this is perfect because one of our announcements after a while, in the month of January, we're going to be meeting on Wednesday evenings. Y'all can come up here. Oh, in just one second. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on up. Come on up so people can see. You got to be inside of the black and you got to wave at the camera so everybody at home can see you. Okay. So in, in the month of January on Wednesday evenings, we're going to meet at the Boys and Girls Club at 6 o'clock on Wednesdays. No, that's not right. We're going to meet. We changed it to the coffee company. We're going to meet at the coffee company on Wednesdays, and Russ and Lori are going to be leading us in a time of prayer. Okay, so uh, Russ, you have verses 8 through 10, and Lori, you have 11 through 14. Can I do an NIV? Absolutely. Okay, okay. okay. got to get in the mic, though. All right, I'll see if I can quote it. So, uh, But remember this, dear friends. Am I on the right track here with the Lord? <laughs> One day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Another verse. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will burn with fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt away as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. All right, very good. Thank you to the Meehans. Let's give the Meehans a round of applause. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, thank you guys. So um, Russ was in quarantine a couple of weeks ago, and then we had coffee afterwards, and we were saying, like, what did you do while you were in quarantine? And he said, I tried to memorize Second Peter. And I was like, well, isn't that a great thing? just this reminder that we need to internalize the Word of God. John Piper, he said a couple of years ago that he recognizes that as he's getting a little bit older, that he's not able to uh, remember things as he once did. And he says, the only strategy I can think of that will be effective is to internalize long passages of Scripture. So I love that, and uh, that's a good thing to start doing even at an early age. Thank you guys for reading for us this morning. Let's... Um, Let's pray to the, to the Lord that he would take this word and, and just break it for us. Father, I thank you for uh, this amazing passage in Second Peter. Lord, I thank you uh, for 
the second advent that we will uh, talk about this morning. And Lord, as always, I pray that with my many words, that those that are of me will fall to the ground and those that are of you will sink into our hearts and change us uh, this day and forevermore. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. So as I said, this is um, our last um, Sunday in the fulfilled service um, or the, the uh, this the series. And you know what? At this time, we normally dismiss Re Redstone Kids, Camp Redstone Kids, but we're going to change it today. So we're going to dismiss the Hubbard children. How's that? <laughs> so the Hubbard kids and Jeremiah Foster, you guys can go to Camp Redstone. Woo-woo! They got the place to themselves today. This is great. I love it. Thank you for the reminder there, Josh. <laughs> okay, so a quick recap of what we've talked about in this Fulfilled series. We, we're doing the five Ps, okay? We looked in week number one at planned. Uh, Galatians 4.4 4 begins with the phrase, but when the fullness of time had come, and we see that God had a plan from the very beginning. Week number two, we talked about the, the promise, Abraham, uh, Abraham and his promise uh, from God that he would be multiplied like the, like the stars. And then week number three, prepared, and we focused on John the Baptist and how he was getting people's attention and he was pointing them to Christ and he was decreasing um, so that Christ would increase. And we said, yeah, we're now John the Baptist to the world. We must get their attention. We must point them to Christ. And on a daily basis, we must die to ourselves and decrease so that he can increase. And then last week, we looked at provided. He provided everything needed for Christ to be born. And we really focused on the king part. The, st the stage was perfectly set that the baby would come, but he wasn't just going to be a baby. He was going to be the king, okay? And then today, we are stepping forward, and we're going to go look at verse number 14, where it says that we are now still waiting. So we're still in this season of Advent, um, and we're waiting for Christ to return. So the question is, how should we proceed? So you see that? we got five Ps there, right? we got five Ps. So this next one is going to be, how should we proceed? So Jesus came, Emmanuel came, Christ came, he gave his life for us, he said, I'll come back for you one day, and we're asking the question, well, what does that mean to us? So we're finishing an interesting year this year. Um, it's 2020, and I expect that that's going to become a phrase at some point in time when someone has just a really bad day or a really bad experience. How bad was it? It was so 2020, right? That's the thing that's going to happen. I mean, you're seeing that and you're hearing that. Um, and for the most part, if you look at it just through our lenses, you would say, yeah, it's not been such a great year. But through the lenses of the kingdom, I don't know that I could say that. You know, when people ask me, um, how have things gone with the new church plant in the middle of a pandemic? We've been praying for you guys. We've been really worried about you. I've said, yeah, things have actually been going great. The Lord has um, blessed us. He's intervened. We've seen 11 adults saved this year, you know, two children. We've seen people that are coming to church for the first time in years and years and years. And I don't remember the staggering number, and I can't remember if Maddie, you sent this, or Julie, or I can't remember who sent it to me, but the Bible app, uh, the number of new subscribers on the Bible app is in the hundreds of thousands. 
And we're going to talk about that, you know, a little bit. So you're seeing some good things. And in this Galatians 4 passage, you know, that when the fullness of time had come, it reminds us that God does have a plan and a pandemic um, has not tripped up his plan, not one iota. So we need to see that the Lord has done good things and we believe that he's going to do good things. So we're finishing this year and we're entering into 2021. And as we do so, we're actually going to celebrate our first anniversary on Sunday, January the 17th. And we're excited about that. And that's going to be a day of of testimonies and worship. But leading into that, I've invited my good friend, uh, my mentor, and um, a man that has somewhat of a prophetic voice um, who watches us um, every week and who's walked with me for years. His name's John Kuna, and I think he's 82, 83-ish, and he's going to be coming in, and he's actually going to be sharing with us for two weeks in a row, so the 3rd and the 10th. Um, he's coming in hopefully to remind us of things that we needed to be, to be reminded of and to charge us and encourage us of what we need to know and remember as we move forward. And we just said, you know, John, one week is not enough. We want you to know our body, and we want you to have the freedom to say the things that God is is preparing for you to say. So he's been praying uh, for this and looking forward to that. So we're asking the whole body to be a part of that for the next three weeks. Okay, if you're not able to be here because you're quarantining, we're asking people to just watch on online um, if you can. Um, but otherwise, we really want everybody to be here present um, over the next couple of weeks. So uh, pray for John as he comes. I'm so excited um, to hear what he says as we reflect upon what the Lord has done and we think about what that means for us me uh, moving forward. So today's sermon teaching is going to actually feel and sound a little bit more reflective too, because I want us to begin to prepare our hearts and our minds for what the Lord might have for us as we move forward. So speaking of reflective, okay, if you'll remember our Philippians series, remember Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will do what? He'll bring it to completion, right? So God begins a good work in us when we confess Jesus as Lord, and he promises that he will continue that work in us until the day of Christ Jesus, which is the second advent that we're talking about. Um, And that includes trials that we will go through. And for a lot of people, individually, collectively as families, or even as a church, there's definitely been some trials that we've gone through. So that same idea of him beginning a good work in us, um, it carries through another passage, and I'm also going to quote out of the NIV, um, Russ, is James 1, 2-4, where it tells us to consider it pure joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And it says perseverance, and I remember underlining this, it says perseverance must finish its work before you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So there's this understanding that these trials come because we have to learn from them. He's growing us and he's developing in us. And and sometimes you see people that kind of like recycle through different trial after different trial after different trial. And they're like, what in the world? It's like I'm going through Groundhog Day, if you've ever seen the movie. It's like the same day over and over, the same trial over and over. Well, yeah, because you haven't learned the lesson yet. The Lord's trying to teach you a lesson. And it's important for us to just kind of internally kind of look and see, is there a lesson 
that the Lord's trying to teach me during this season. I guarantee you when you spend enough time by yourself at home in quarantine or just not being able to socialize in the way that you once did, you'll have some downtime to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to his church. And the question becomes, well, what is the Lord saying? Is there a trial that I'm going through that I need to persevere through that I haven't seen? Or just what have I learned um, this past year? So a little open reflection. Let's start there. So it's okay just to spit these things out. I actually was encouraging you to do so uh, today. So a little bit of um, open reflection. The greatest thing I've learned in 2020 is blank. So who's, who's learned something in 2020? If you don't have an answer yet, this is something for you to be thinking on moving forward. But who could spit out a fill-in-the-blank here? What have you learned in 2020 thus far? It could be serious. It could be personal. It could be silly. I don't care. But what have you learned in 2020? Yes, Carrie. Right. Okay. 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 So Carrie says it's easier to look back at the grace that God gave him in the past and sometimes to not really focus on the same grace that's in the present, in the here and now. Okay. What else have you learned? about yourself or just in general in 2020? There's something, and you may not want to speak it, and I get that, but Philippians 1.6 says he began a good work. Listen, 2020 wasn't just this random year where the Lord wasn't growing you. Go ahead. Okay, emotional uh, stability is uh, more attached to current circumstances than I wish that it was, right? Than, than I thought that it was. Yeah, okay, very good. Anything else? Okay, here's one. Here's another question. Just a different framework of a question. What have you learned about the state of the church or maybe the state of our country? That one's a little easier because it takes the focus off of me personally, right? So what have you seen about the state of the church or the state of our country in 2020? Anything? They're both going to disappoint us. Very good. Mm. Yeah, Satan is still the prince of this world. There's a great passage that says that the God of this age, little g God, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. You know, the Lord... Um, is king of kings, but really he's given reign in lots of ways to the, you know, to the prince of the air and to the little G God. That's true. Okay, what else? He's definitely at work as well. In the same way that Jesus is at work, Satan is definitely at work as well. Anything else? <laughs> okay, Luke from the back. Don't believe everything you watch on TV. But I watched it on the news channel, and I saw it on the Internet. It's got to be true, right? Not necessarily so. I was actually talking about this, and this is not throwing the Surgeon General under 
the bus in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But I was telling my family last night because I saw him on TV and he had on his mask and he was saying something you know, important that related to COVID. And I remember back in probably April, and he was so passionate in this moment, he was upset. And he was like, listen, people, I'm going to say it again. You do not need to wear a mask. The only people that need to wear a mask are the people that either have COVID or have the symptoms of COVID. The rest of you, you're wasting your time if you wear a mask. That was the Surgeon General. And then you fast forward a couple of months and he says, listen, people, hear me. Everybody needs to put on their mask. It has been like that. It's been back and forth, and we're like, wait a minute. We don't know what to believe, so you're right. We don't know. Any other thoughts? Russ is going. Yeah, we, we've been comfortable as a church, and we don't like to be uncomfortable. So this is really stretching us as well. And it's one of the things that we've been talking about, and you've heard me say that was the thing that I think changed our family dynamic years ago when I you know, had my little family meeting, and I said, we have to learn to get uncomfortable for the gospel's sake, and we are not uncomfortable in settings. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yes. Yes, so Russ is having to get comfortable standing in line at Walmart or Food City to buy toilet paper. So to to encourage Russ in your growth, just get his number and text him whenever you need toilet paper he will go get it for you and bring it to your home. So lots of things that we can learn. So here's just a couple of, of the things that I have personally seen. One, we are a communal people. We desperately need fellowship with one another. I remember in the early days of the pandemic, this is Joshua Hubbard here on the front, and I remember just watching him come unglued and melt before my eyes because he was so sick and tired of Zoom meetings. He was like, if I don't get around people Today, I am going to go crazy. Number two, the church in America probably puts more stock in the political system than it should. Uh, the only governing person that we will ever truly be able to trust is King Jesus himself. Every other political party or entity is going to let us down. Um, three, many believers have a serious, unhealthy, and probably even unscriptural fear of death. Um, we've seen that. And, and it's okay to recognize that. But when you see this real fear coming out of your heart, it's always good to pause and say, what is that? Why is that there? What am I not believing about the gospel? So I have had to do that this year, you know, over and over myself. And it's it's been interesting because one day I'm like, hey, whatever, I can go to you right now. And the next minute I'm like, oh my gosh, stay away from me. You may have been exposed. And it's this roller coaster that we've been riding. 
Number four, things in this world can and will change very quickly. Uh, one moment, all is well, and in the very next second, you are quarantining for 14 days by yourself. It's been somewhat of a strange year. Even for us at Christmas, we were so excited to have all of our family you know, together, and literally Christmas Eve, you know, we find out that it's not going to happen, you know, because we've got, you know, kids and, um, you know, daughter-in-law that were exposed to COVID. And we've got a, a, a daughter, you know, and a son-in-law that were exposed to COVID, you know. So it just changed Christmas. And, and I say that saying, oh, well, that really stinks that we didn't get to spend time with family. Within this body, we have had individuals, family members that have lost loved ones, you know, this year. Um, yeah, and there were other people that did not get to see their family member because they were in a nursing home or they were in the hospital and they weren't allowed to visit, you know. So quit your whining and complaining, Jerry. Some people have it a whole lot worse. Um, number five, life really is incredibly short, isn't it? In moments like this, you really do, you know, see that and hopefully take that in and hopefully that'll spur us on to the things that God has called us to do. Uh, number six, God is always at work. And as I said earlier, um, a pandemic will not slow him down. And we have personally seen that within the church this, this year, and it's been a blessing. Um, number seven, people are looking for answers and searching for hope. This is one of the things that I have seen over and over and over as I've tried to remain watchful and prayerful, steadfast in prayer and watchful in it. Keep your eyes open because Jesus is doing a good work and you will see people that you would have never thought would step toward the church or step toward, you know, questions about the gospel. All of a sudden things start coming out of their hearts, you know, so um, the Lord definitely has uh, continued to do a good work there and people are searching for hope. Um, there is still so much work that needs to be done, you know, tied to the last one. You know, we, we recognize that, you know, every single day that there are people in this world that, you know, are trying to, you know, cling to just the securities of America or the political system or the freedoms that we have or, you know, whatever. And they're, they're desperate and they're seeing all of those things crumble before them. And they're like, well, what do we have then? You know, and they're, and they're asking really important questions that we need to be able to be there to answer those questions for them. And it would appear that not trying to be too prophetic here, but it would appear that the Lord is shaping, molding, moving, and positioning things on this earth in preparation for Christ's second advent. The first advent brought us Jesus, Emmanuel, the Son of God, coexisting with the Father and the Holy Spirit for all eternity, coming as a baby. And the second advent, we're going to see this same Jesus riding on a white horse, King of kings and Lord of lords. And this takes us back to our passage for today. So let's look at it again. This is Second Peter um, 8 or 3, 8 through 14, but we're going to read just a few verses at a time and work our way through the passage. Okay, so Second um, Peter 3, 8 through 10, let's read this together. It says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. That's Jerry's emphasis, not the word of God's emphasis. Jesus did not say that. Um, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. He's patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, 
Even then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So a few quick takeaways just from this passage without trying to preach the passage in depth. The first one I would see is that God's measurement of time is just much different than ours. It's, it is. You know, our lives are truly a drop in a bucket, and we have today. Tomorrow is a figment of our imagination. The second thing that you see in this passage is that the Lord will fulfill His promise to return. You know, the, the, the promise is um, whatever his, He makes the promise, and then He always fulfills that. He always keeps His word, and we've seen that over and over. Remember last week, even King Herod says, now wait a minute, where is this king going to be born? And they said, well, the Scripture says that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So to Bethlehem we go, because that's where the king will be born, because God always fulfills His promises. Even heathen people saw that and revered the fact that over and over and over the Holy Scriptures proved true, and that will be the case with Christ's second advent as well. Uh, the third one, God is and has always been patient with mankind. He has been patient with and fill in your name in that blank. Oh my gracious, aren't you thankful that the Lord is patient with you and that he's patient with me? And in the same way that he's patient with us, he's patient with mankind. When I look back on my life and see the patience of God, I am amazed and overwhelmed at his graciousness because I was a fool over and over and over and he still loved me and waited on me and was gracious and patient with me. And then the fourth one is that he will come and he will come unexpectedly. And then verse number 11 then takes us to that thought. It says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought to you to be? You know, how do we work for the day? How do we proceed forward? Okay, Jesus came, Jesus left, he died for our sins, and he's coming back. How then should we proceed? Now what? And that's the question that's being asked, and here is the question of the day. What type of people should we be as we wait for his return? When I was, and I'm going to show you the picture, 15 years old, I had hair. So that really is me. That is a terrible picture. That was from my yearbook. That's me at the age of 15. When I was 15 years old, I now had a learner's permit, and I had it in my wallet. And on a random Saturday night, I decided... My parents were going to be gone because they were going midnight bowling with the college group at our church. So um, my sister was, I don't even know where she was, or maybe she was with him. She was probably with him because she was in college. Um, so they were all going to be gone, go midnight bowling. And I decided that I was going to get the car, the Dodge Aspen, the silver Dodge Aspen, and I was going to get it and go pick up David McKinney and go pick up Danny Jones, and I was going to pick them up, and we were going to go riding around. Because I've got a learner's permit, and my parents are gone, and no one will ever know. So I proceeded forward with this plan. And I went, and I picked up David, and I went and picked up Danny. And of course, their parents didn't know. They just kind of snuck out. And we rode around. And then all of a sudden, I was like, okay, guys, I'm starting to get scared. 
because I don't have a you know license. I could be in serious trouble. I was like, I got to get home. I don't feel good about this. So I dropped off uh, Danny. I dropped off David. And we'd only been gone probably for 30 minutes. You know, it seemed like an eternity because you're like living on the edge, right? So I dropped them off and I went back in and I pulled back in the carport and I just tried to make sure everything looked exactly the way it was you know, before. I got the seat just right and I closed the door and I walked in. And I remember because it was like three or four I was, you know, minutes, I was fixing something to eat. And all of a sudden, my mom and dad walked in the door. And I just, my heart sunk. And I was like, what are you all doing? And they were like, well, we went to leisure lanes and we would have had to wait two hours to get a lane. And we just said, forget it. We're going to do it another Saturday night. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, what would it have looked like if I would have continued to ride around with my friends and my mom and dad would have come home and my car would not have, or their car would not have been there. I would not be with you today. I would not. And my only hope at this moment as a 53-year-old man is that my mom and dad are actually not watching this morning because they don't even know that this, this actually took place. And as I was thinking about kind of this question of what kind of people ought we to be, that story came to mind. If I knew what time my parents were going to come, it probably would have changed my decision-making at least a little bit, right? Um, it, we don't have enough time to listen to stupid stories of Jerry because it would fulfill the, fill the whole week until 2021 because that's not the only foolish thing that I've done. And you all probably done some very pretty foolish things as well. But let's go back to our passage and ask, you know, answering this question of, you know, what people ought we to be, okay? And it, look at it. It says, in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. What kind of people ought we to be? In lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting. There's this waiting theme. We're waiting. We're always waiting for new heavens, new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Now, the purpose of today is not to, to jump in to, and to dissect this passage and to kind of walk through all of the details of what it's going to look like with the new heavens and the new earth and what all needs to take place um, before um, the Lord comes back. But it's really to look at the question that Peter poses of what type of people ought we to be as we are waiting. And for starters, we'd be living, or we should be living expectantly. I think living expectantly would be um, at a minimum for us in the same way that I would not have been riding around with my friends at 1230 a.m. If I knew my parents were going to be there at 1235 a.m., it's the same way with us if we knew that Christ was going to return what kind of people should we be? And he gives us a couple of answers here, and we're just going to walk through them. He, at first, he says, in lives of holiness, in lives of holiness. So again, we're reflecting. So look back on 2020 and beyond. 
and look at your life. Let's look at our life as a church and ask the question, what has holiness looked like in our life? So the word here means pure. It means set apart. It means consecrated. It means upright. The same word is actually used for saints. Okay, So in other words, our conduct must be different. Our conduct must be separate. It must be holy. If we are believers, then we are saints. It's not just the special ones. Okay, You're either a saint or you're an ain't. Um, that was terrible grammar. I'm sorry, Sam Adams. And saints or followers of Jesus will live differently than those who do not know the Lord. And John reminds us of this in 1 John 2. Uh, 15 through 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So there's a difference between those who receive Christ as Lord and those that reject Him. We cannot continue to live the way that we once did if the resurrected Christ, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, actually now resides within us. We cannot continue to do these things. Uh, Titus tells us that you know he teaches us, the gospel teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions. Okay, we say no to ungodliness and we say yes to the gospel. And sometimes it takes a while to learn those lessons and there's that repeat, the trials that continue to come our way as he's trying to grow us and per, you know, persevere us and mature us so that we'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But my point is you cannot say I'm a follower of Jesus and your behavior be as such and then you look 20 years down the road and it's the same and it mirrors you know, what it looked like before you came to Christ. That's impossible if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Because He changes us. He transforms us. He makes us holy and separate and different from the world. And then He says holiness and, here's this word, godliness. And this word means piety, godly living. It's almost always translated as godliness as it is in this passage. So holiness and godliness are really two sides of the same coin. Okay, if we are separate from this world, then our actions will reflect God who resides within. And the term godliness comes from the fact that we are followers of God and God lives within us. And then he says something really interesting. And make note of this in your Bibles. Okay, so it's not just coming from me. Notice it in your own in your own Bible. Maybe um, go back to it later. It says waiting and waiting for and hastening. Hastening his coming. Interesting. Waiting and hastening. Well, which is it? Is it waiting or is it hastening? And I think that what we're talking about here or what the Lord is presenting to, to us is this active waiting. We're always waiting. We're always longing. We always recognize this home just doesn't feel like home anymore. I know that there's got to be something else. My citizenship really is in heaven, and I long for a day where things will be better and we will truly be restored. I long for the end of sin and death and sickness and pandemics and pain and all that comes from a broken world, but we don't just sit here on our thumbs while we wait. Luke 19.13 says this, Jesus says, Occupy until I come. It speaks of 1 Corinthians 15.58, Stand firm then, you know, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
Okay, so we understand that, yes, we're waiting. Yes, we're longing. And yes, I feel you know, less comfortable in this world and I long for something better, but I don't sit on my thumbs and just wait for the Lord to come back. I have to be about the Father's business. I have to occupy till he comes and I have to always give myself fully to the work of the Lord. But he also uses this phrase here. He says, after waiting, he says, and hastening his coming. And that's something to make note of. Could it be that in the case of Christ's second coming, that this fullness of time that we've talked about for the past four weeks, um, that it could be in reference to the work of God that needs to be done more so in, in, than a specific time, a specific hour, a specific minute, and a specific second that he's going to return? I mean, for example, uh, Matthew 24, 14 says this, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So the question to me as I think about this, as I ponder and as I reflect and I look back on last year and as I get ready for next year, is, is it possible that we can hasten his return by occupying, by being about the Father's business, by actually spreading the gospel and praying for missionaries to spread the gospel throughout the whole world, is that the way that we can hasten, that we can bring back Christ quicker? Do you see the question? It's definitely something worth pondering. So go back and look at that passage. I encourage you to dig into it, but it seems that there is this idea that we can actually hasten his return. And then he ends by saying, be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. I love that. Be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Listen, church, the only way that we can be found without spot or blemish is by believing that he actually took our place. He who had no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. He took our sin. He was the sin offering. And that's the only way that we can actually be without spot or blemish and at peace with him. And if we're going to be a people that are about the Father's business, we have to believe that. We can't sin and then just go into hiding and say, oh, I've let the Lord down. I can't do anything. God help me. Woe is me. No, we understand that that's the whole purpose of the good news, the gospel that Christ took our place and we can confess our sins and he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And we cling to that. So what happens is when we do sin and we will, even in 2021, that we confess those sins quickly and immediately and we apply these gospel truths and we walk away saying without blemish, without spot, free from accusation, Colossians tells us, and at peace with God. I choose not to just lull and wallow in, in, in my sin and in my guilt because that is not applying the gospel. And you've heard me say it over and over and over that that's what Adam and Eve did. They sin and they go into hiding, and as long as you're in hiding, you're doing nothing for the kingdom of God. Get out of hiding by believing the gospel and applying it quickly. 
not sitting on it for 10 days, beating yourself up, and finally having the courage to confess it to a friend of yours and then come out you know, and say, okay, I feel better now. No, apply it quickly in the moment. When you have that thought, when something rolls off of your tongue, you're like, where did that come from? You know, yesterday is a good example. It just rolls off my tongue. And I'm like, where did that come from? Why am I saying something negative about someone that I love? You know, maybe that thing is true, but I'm a follower of Jesus who should be full of godliness and holiness. I have no right to do that. And I'm like, oh God, this stuff is just still in my heart. Forgive me, but I believe the gospel and I continue moving forward. And we're going to have to be willing to do that if we are going to be doing his work on a daily basis. And look at this this passage in Romans 5.1. I put it up there for you because I think this is a great passage for you to internalize into your heart. Romans 5.1, good one to memorize. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have been, past tense. Have, present tense. Do you see that? It's not something we can earn. It's because of the gospel, the glorious gospel. It's amazing, you know, the... The, you know, the, the passage I was referring to earlier when I, we were talking to Connie, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The gospel is amazing. And because of the gospel, we have been, past tense, declared not guilty, holy, godly, without blemish, free from accusation. And because of the gospel, we present tense are at peace with God. And this is why Hebrews tells us that we can enter into the throne of grace with boldness and with confidence. And if there was any blemish on us, there's no way that we would be able to do so. We are adopted children. Jesus took all of our sins upon himself. We are free, free indeed. It's a beautiful thing. The gospel's amazing. We have this treasure, and we need to be willing to give it away. But if we're in hiding, or if we're fearful, or if we're you know, succumbing to whatever situations are around us and not being about the Father's business, we will not be giving it away. So being reflective. Oh God, what are you trying to show me? How can I better position my heart and my mind so that in 2021... I can be actively waiting, actively waiting so that, and I love this passage as well, 1 John 2, 28, so that when you do come, that I'll have confidence. And now, dear children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. I want to be confident when Christ comes. I want to be doing his work. I want to be believing the gospel. I don't want to be like over in the corner sulking because I sinned and I thought that I could do better than that. I am human. I am in the flesh. I'm going to sin. I'm going to struggle, but I should be more Christ-like on a daily basis. But when I do sin, confess it quickly because there's too many people that are out there trying to find an answer and I cannot give that answer to them if I am not believing and if I'm not applying the gospel myself. As we think about waiting for Christ to turn, return, we should be waiting actively and in a way that would make us confident for him to return. 
perfection died on the cross 2,000 years ago. I'm already disqualified on my own merit from being perfect, perfect unless Christ himself has declared me so. Having been justified, declared not guilty, we have, present tense, peace with God. As I said earlier, this passage is not, you know, or this sermon is really not an exhaustive list of everything that we need to do as we prepare for Christ to return. But it's a reminder that it is good news that we have. And we have it in our heart. And there's work that needs to be done. And we don't need to be chasing the squirrels of this world as we're waiting for him. There are so many distractions, so many things that the enemy that continues in this world, the little G God, he will continue to try to turn our heads, but we must be about the Father's business. And hopefully over the next couple of weeks as John comes and shares with us, hopefully that we collectively, Jerry included, will be challenged to see what the Lord has for us as we move forward. So going back to that first question, so what have we learned in 2020? I don't know what your answer to that one is. I think you should take it home with you today. I think you should pray that one through this week. I think as you're looking at your devotions and digging into the Word every day and spending some time, just put this before the Lord. Oh God, what is it that you've tried to teach me that I haven't seen? Or what is it that you are teaching me at this time. Give me ears to hear and a heart to be receptive because I know that you began a good work in me and you will bring it to completion until Christ comes back. And then the follow-up question, not just what have we learned, this is individually and it's collectively for us as a church as well, um, what adjustments do we or do I need to make either in beliefs, or in daily applications as we head in to 2021. Where do I need to adjust? Where do I find myself chasing squirrels? Where do I need to redeem the time for the days are evil? Where do I need to adjust what I do on a moment by moment and a daily basis? We've all got areas for adjustment. Some people will call these New Year's resolutions. You can call them whatever you want. But the truth of the matter is, I see some areas where I need to do better. I, need some, I, I see some areas where I need to love my neighbors better than I do. I see some areas where I waste a lot of time. I see areas that if you want to get into practical things where I eat too much, you know, and don't exercise enough. Yes, those things are true, and we all need to look at those as well to be a healthy people. But as far as following Christ and being about the Father's business, where can I, should I make adjustments so that I can be actively waiting and I can be confident at his coming. Jesus is at work. He wants to grow us. He wants to remind us. You know, he wants to encourage us. My prayer is that these next three weeks, that we will be a prayerful people and that we will truly be listening to what he has for us individually, but also what does he have for Redstone Church Elizabethan. May we be able to say collectively and individually, as he says, surely I am coming soon, and we say, amen, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. 
Come, Lord Jesus. He is returning. So here's my prayer. I'll have to read this one because I can't I can't remember it if I don't read it. Let's make this upcoming coming year the best faith-filled, gospel mission-filled, not afraid to step into gospel conversations, not afraid to love people well, feeling less at home in this world each and every day with lives filled with holiness and godliness, kind of year that it can be. That's my prayer. Did you get that? I can send it to you later if you didn't. And in doing so, let's maybe hasten his return because we're sharing his gospel to people with boldness and with urgency. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the people that are here this morning and the people that are watching from home. And Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. Father, I pray that you would challenge us individually. Show us what you're trying to teach us, where you're trying to grow us. Lord, I pray that 2021, should we make it through this year, would be the best year of our lives. Lord, that we truly would be so filled with the Spirit and abiding in you on a daily basis that the gospel boldness and your love and tenderness and gentleness and grace and mercy, it would just flow out of us to other people. And they really would say, why are you different? What do you believe? And we can point them to the gospel. We can show them that we are a mess, that we are broken, that we are sinful, but Christ has taken all of our sins he has come once, and He is going to return for His bride. God, I pray that we would be bold and confident, living at peace with You, and we would truly say in our hearts, and not just at church on Sunday mornings when we're supposed to, that we would say, Oh, Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Do Your work in us. I pray that these next three weeks would be transforming to us individually and collectively as a church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.